My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is Angela Okawa. Angela is a certified integral coach and a licensed marriage and family therapist who brings together a wide range of modalities to help people navigate questions of identity, belonging, community, diversity, equity, a lot of these really ripe topics in our social fabric today about who we are and who we might become. Our conversation plays in that space in both very heady and intellectual ways and also in some deeply metaphorical, conceptual ways and, and at times some deeply embodied ways. Angela brings in some work. We start with some work that Angela brought to me, which was about deeply connecting to my own inner imagination to navigate a question of, of my future and my purpose. And from there, we work with the power of these mindfulness-based, image-based, body-based practices to enter into group context, social context, organize, organizational context where the heat is high, where there's conflict, where there's tension, where there's disagreement about what's right or true, and uh, what becomes possible for people to engage and connect and cross boundaries and borders if they're willing to listen, to breathe, to name what's true for them in the moment and listen deeply when others do the same. And, it, you know, my own experience of this conversation was really joyful and provocative and exciting. And, and the whole time there was a part of me that was aware of like so much of this is experiential. So at the end, Angela leads a very brief experiential practice, and I invite you to stick around for that. And at some point, I think we'll actually have Angela back to, to over time, we're going to be building out a library of experiential practices from myself and my guests. And Angela is definitely going to be one of those. So if you, if you land in this conversation and you're sparked by what's happening in you and your body and your imagination as you listen to us talk about the complexity and intensity of diverse groups coming together and working a conflict or trying to find common ground, then, then know that in a way we've only touched the tip of the iceberg in this company, in this conversation. Although it might feel like a multifaceted, deep and big iceberg. We are in a sense, just touching the tip of it because so much of it is experiential. The other thing I'm in touch with uh, before we begin the conversation is that this is my 99th episode of the Wonder Dome. 
And in a lot of ways, this conversation reflects in my mind and in my experience, what's so special to me about the Wonder Dome, which is the opportunity to go to places that open us up to awe and wonder and surprise and delight and discomfort and fear and all and the ways in which all of those emotions and all of those experiences are doorways into depth connection possibility identity humanity so i'm really grateful to angela for helping me co-create such a humane creative generative space and i hope that you experience that as well and there's a lot more to come as uh I enter into the next hundred episodes, the next hundred conversations, the next hundred spaces of deep dialogue and transformation. It's with great, great gratitude to Angela for helping in a way close this chapter of the Wonder Dome before the next chapter opens. And I trust that you could lead to the extent that you tune in deeply to this whole conversation. I, I trust that you will leave with quite a lot about who you are and who you hope to become in this world of ours that's so riven by tension and conflict and uncertainty, but also filled with possibility and joy and wonder. <sighs> so why don't we get settled in? <sighs> and hear what Angela has for us. All right, Angela, welcome to the Wonder Dome. Thank you. I am, uh, I'm in touch right now in this moment, like with some like kind of bubbly happiness. And that might have something to do with the, the joke we were making about carbonated drinks just before I started <laughs> pressing record. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I, I think it also has something, or I know it also has something to do with, uh, the excitement I'm feeling about being able to be with you in this particular venue inside the dome, mm-hmm. because we've now shared like three or four other spaces and each one has had its own flavor. And every time I, I kind of emerge like, Oh, this is such a dynamic human. Like what's the, what's the next, next facet or next angle that might emerge. And, and, uh, (laughs) you know, so without too much attachment to like needing anything new to be here, I'm sort of aware that every time we meet, there's something kind of exciting about that. So I want to say thanks to that first. Mm. Yeah, thank you. I've noticed that too. A lot of interesting things emerge in our mm. conversations. Mm. The place I want to start today is the session that you generously offered me when I was when I mentioned in one of our conversations that I was kind of holding this intuition or this tension. I was holding mm-hmm. a tension around around the work I am doing and the work I could be doing. And, and it felt like a really healthy tension. I've, I've held versions of that tension that felt like there was a lot of dissonance and Mm -hmm. uncertainty and longing. And and this had more of a flavor of possibility and uncertainty. And you said, oh, well, you know, I do this, this really, uh, this approach to kind of coaching and, and intuition and awareness do you want to try that to help you work with that tension? And I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'm, and, and in a way I could, I can like still some of the images and, and possibilities that emerged in an hour with you, I can see them in my imagination and, and even mm-hmm. feel them in my body right now. But talking about it, ha- 
Like if someone else were to say, hey, what did, what did you do with Angela in that hour? What did I do? What do we do? Like there's this sort of like kind of alchemical, you know, uh, body awareness and imaginative mm-hmm. exploration. And, and so I'm like in touch with that energy right now. And I want to invoke it in our space if we can. And, and maybe just to start, hear you say a bit more about what it is that what that work mm. is and, and what we did what we did yeah <laughs> right yeah it's it's a blend of a lot of things which then kind of shines a little light on like my my background but i've always had a, a real strong imagination and since being really young i played with what i realized are now just like images and uh and it's really come to life through my path through working with jungian sort of psychology mm. in my my graduate mm. program and then kind of blending some mindfulness in there and then just my own just childhood explorations of what it's like to share images with people like share imaginal spaces mm. with people mm. so what i've learned is that when doing either psychotherapy coaching or even just with hanging out with friends that with really good storytellers, even you might have experienced this, where you could just enter into an image with someone mm. and suddenly everything that they're saying comes alive and you can feel it, like you can smell it, like you can really get in there with your senses. And it's mm. a very different experience than just like uh, regular imagination. It's like you're actually in mm. an imaginal mm. space, like mm. we're sharing mm. space together. Even, you know, talking on the phone, you were walking, I was sitting here in my office, and yet there was this shared space mm. that we inhabited mm. together that mm. I felt quite a bit. And I think you mentioned too, right? That you felt it. Yeah. So that's that imaginal, imaginal world, imaginal yeah. space. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is cool. Cause actually just the other day I was walking in the woods and, mm-hmm. and I believe when people listen to this, uh, it will be the 99th episode of the Wonder Dome. And I've mm-hmm. made a commitment to myself on the 100th episode to do a solo episode where I attempt to speak like, what the heck, how have these 99 conversations impacted me? What what am I in touch with? And so, so I, I recently spoke to another guest, Sese uh, Meglevi, who's a, who's a Zen, Zen priest and teacher. And, mm-hmm. you know, she talked about how she prepared for her Dharma talks. And she said, you know, I just have to give these hour long talks. Where do I even start? I just go for a walk and record myself and listen to myself think. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ooh, yep. I'm going to try that. Mm-hmm. And, and now here we are, you're presencing this, this, these imaginal realms that we can co-inhabit. And that was actually, uh, the, the phrase that emerged for me out in my most recent walk in the woods was this, this idea of, of conscious imagination. And what do yeah. I, what do I, what do I mean by that? Good question. I don't know yet entirely, but here's, Here's what I want to hear you respond to, because I think Mm -hmm. there's something in what you just presence that connects to maybe a much deeper and richer field of possibility. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea that in a way uh, we are all living inside um, fantasies or illusions or or imaginations like someone or some collective body of people imagined a something called America that's interconnected with roads that you can get in a car and drive from Mm -hmm. one end of the country to the other, right? Like that was an imaginative Mm -hmm. act. Uh, We could spend a lot of time debating. There's many layers of history and all of it Mm -hmm. that, that Mm -hmm. imaginal act impacted real lives in real ways, but it it was a choice that became real. And um, most of us, most of the time I sense just sort of accept that as real that way. Oh yeah. Like this is how the world works. Mm -hmm. 
But we now kind of live, we're now many of us who are been, have been privileged to have been insulated by some of the externalities of this uh, fantasy world of like order and structure and, mm-hmm. and, and everything gets delivered on time and, and see everything's easy and convenient as that, as that, as that fantasy starts to really collapse for more and more people, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of uncertainty, uncomfort, uh, things that were, have been attempted to have been repressed, have emerged and we're left with a lot of, uh, people are kind of freaking out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so I'm like playing with like, what, what, what does it actually mean for us to, to get in touch with this, our capacity to dream something into being, whether or not that actually means we go out and build a quote unquote physical thing. There's something about, about imagination as a way of moving through life that mm-hmm. often gets sort of discarded as like, oh, that's just escapist. That's just for daydreamers. That's just, but like what you and I did together was a mm-hmm. form of conscious imagination that like helped me get deeply in touch with a future that I might never have seen otherwise. And I don't know mm-hmm. what's going to come of that, but I do know that I have access to sensations and possibilities that weren't there before. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, like, as I just sort of riff out loud with this idea, I wonder what's coming up in you. It's interesting. It's it's there's some new aspects that I haven't really thought about. I think what's coming up right now for me is fantasy is one thing of just coming up with like ideas. And almost when I think of fantasy, I mean, I love fantasy. So I'm not saying you know there's anything bad about it, but just to differentiate between that and mm-hmm. this sort of conscious imagination but it's like uh embodied there's an embodiment embodied. quality mm. right mm. to what we did those images mm. live like you can feel it in your whole being it's not just an image in your head mm. right mm. which mm. we can come up with images in our head and vision which can be wonderful and yet there's something different right mm. when you feel mm-hmm. into what we did mm-hmm. something different yeah. and so i don't i don't no, I don't know how to break that down even more. All I know is in my body, I feel different when I share space with people. And I've noticed some people are much more receptive to that way of being together than others. Some people mm. have more access to it. Mm. And it has mm. me wonder if it's, if we're just using more of our faculties, if we're, you know, that right brain, left brain um, studies and research that's out there. Like, are we using more of our right brain? I don't know exactly what it mm. is. All I can mm. say is my own experience. Mm. It does feel different mm. than um, an imagination, uh, imaginary image that I come up with or fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Can there's you feel that difference? There's something alive to it. There's something. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a life to that space that even now, yes. although, although we're not, actively trying to go back into that space it's here exactly and uh you and i it's here because both you and i shared it together and uh well i think it's here because you now know how to access mm, it because we mm, accessed it together for mm, me it's always around mm, me mm, it's just i've noticed some people with i don't know if they're doing it on purpose but when they speak they enter into it as they're speaking with me Mm. And it's like, oh, you also have access to this. And mm. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is. And I, I feel like people have talked about it as in other cultures, there's different names for it. And there's ways that you can travel in it. There's ways that you can meet people in it. Mm. There's lots of different cultures, I think, that point to it. But mm. I can only speak to my felt sense. And actually, 
just naming that piece around aliveness that's so cool about it is that I'm just a participant in the space. Those images are alive, right? They're, they're moving on their own, independent <laughs> of us, yeah. right? We're not yeah. the center in these yeah. spaces. And that's, yeah. I find so cool. Mm. Mm. I feel that I, I have a question I want to ask in one moment, but I feel like if I were listening to this, a part of me is going like, if I were listening to this, what, what quite are they referring to? So maybe I'll just, I'll yeah. just share sure. one image that's here with me right now as I talk Great. to you. Uh, and yeah. it has been with me multiple times since last we met. And, and I don't quite remember the sequence that got me to this image, but there uh -huh. was something near the end of the call where you kind of pointed to a sort of uh, what's next or what are you in touch with? And, and what I was in touch with was um, there's an old man who's he's kind of like right here over my uh, right shoulder. Mm -hmm. And he's also in a far distance. Somehow he's right near me and in a far distance kind of crouching on a rock, smiling with this, this sort of gentle, patient amusement, like mm -hmm. you'll get here one day. Don't worry, kiddo. Mm -hmm. You know, he sort of has this avuncular wise play, like all, a bit mischievous. Mm -hmm. And, um, I almost feel like I could just press record and start talking to him and he could have something to say, uh, the technology we're working with wouldn't be able to pick it up, but, but there's that, yeah. that image that, and even the word image seems inadequate to, because yeah. the image sort of points a bit more to just pure fantasy, just pure kind mm. of like daydreaming, but he has, there's a light, an aliveness to that image. Uh, and yeah, I wonder if you could. I wonder what that's evoking for you as I presence mm -hmm. as I presence that piece of our work together. Well, in like Jungian psychology, it's uh, there's this idea of active imagination where mm -hmm. you can enter into with like dream images or any sort of felt images that you have in your body and dialogue with them. So you mm. could press record, so to speak, not in this way, but maybe writing it down, have a conversation with the old man, yeah. and something new will emerge from that, that you probably couldn't come up on your own. Mm, mm, so mm, yeah, it's a very mm. rich space and maybe felt images might be a little better. Embodied images is embodied images, I've been with yeah. the word images for so long now to me, it's more felt sense, less imaginary, but to the average person, it makes complete sense that it yeah, would yeah. go to the fantasy route. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, you do all of this, like you do this deep one-to-one -one kind of, mm -hmm. you support, you stand with, you guide people through this deep inner work, sort of wherever they are in their journey. But also as you turn and face the wider world, you mm -hmm. clearly, at least from where I sit, you have a set of values around who we might be as a species, as a society, about how we navigate life and uncertainty with more skill and, and, and less attachment. And, you know, and, and so, so there's, so work around diversity and equity and inclusion, mm -hmm. work around mindfulness, work around trauma. Like there's mm -hmm. sort of these domains that you are stepping into as a professional and, and mm -hmm. how, what's the intersection of what you and I are playing? What's important to you about deep, imaginative access, embodied mm -hmm. imagery, embodied imagination as we turn out and, and face some of the kind of collective challenges that we're working with? Such a great question. Wow. That brought up a lot of different things. Um, where do I start? I think what first came up for me when you were laying that question out 
was that all those things to me, though, they may sound to the average person like lots of random things. To me, it's more how can I be in relationship with others around me? Like, how can I better see people and be with people? And it's, um, yeah, those images. So this is a new thing of weaving in kind of what we did with the imaginal work. Mm. What I find is that you know, when talking to people and I have lots of theories, you know, of like social media and just our reliance on technology, kind of adding another filter to reality mm-hmm. and how we see mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. that we are losing or getting, there's more distance between us and the actual person. There's all these layers in between. Mm-hmm. And so this work with the imaginal and being able to see images also helps me see the the images that just come up when I'm talking to someone, my own projections, my own biases, mm, my own, mm, mm. you know, my own history that's coming, like assigning meaning to the person I'm talking to, right? It's like this meaning making and sense making apparatus. Mm. It's very similar to me than the imaginal mm. world because I can mm. see it more clearly. Mm. Mm. Right? So, mm. yeah, I'm curious what's coming up for you just naming it that way. I see you kind of nodding with that. Yeah, there's a there's a part of me who even like who who went, oh, yeah, Uh, like even right now, as I as I see this video image of you, this kind of which of which is itself a filter, right? Like we're sadly not sitting together, but we have this neat technology that lets us simulate that. And it feels like there's an aliveness to that. And I'm with that. But there is like I can also if I'm. And this, and then another part of me gets a little embarrassed to even admit this, but, but if I'm honest, I can track another part of me that's like looking at your image and kind of like going like, okay, she looks a certain way, you know, she has a certain Mm -hmm. identity. And then, and then I, what I think of as very human questions that can sometimes be tender ones. They're like, like, where is she from? What's her, Mm -hmm. what's her background? What, you know, why is her hair short? What, you know, like, Mm -hmm. what are the books on the, on the shelf behind her? There's Uh sort of like, there's like a lot of activity happening just below my conscious awareness that, that, that when you said yeah. that, I was like, Oh, I'm in touch with that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that feel like, I feel like there's something meaningful about, even if I didn't do anything other than get in touch with that, something shifts in how I might begin to relate to you as a, just as a human. Right. What does that? Spark yeah. For you? Yeah. No, I mean, that's so much like the, um, I'm going to, that, that chatter or the uh, monkey mind, whatever you want to call it, right? That That's just below awareness for some. Some people are very aware of it. Others are not aware at all. But that changes how we see a person, how present we are with each other, mm. how mm. we might interpret someone's behavior. Like there's just so much there that's invisible mm. that I feel mm. like given my upbringing of being like bicultural, mixed race, spending time in Japan and in the U.S., having you know, parents of different cultures, that this invisible realm has been very visible to me, mm. at least a good portion mm. of it, because mm. I'm mm. seeing the misses, I'm seeing the ways that people come from different worlds and they're just uh, making meaning of like they're organizing around reality differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I may say something that's, you know, someone else may receive it completely different and that there's a breakdown that happens. And that's where I get really fascinated 
you know, yeah. with what's happening and why these different modalities I've gravitated to because all of them point to this invisible space, like all the things that are going on mm. that if we were more conscious of, we could have better conversations with mm. each other and mm. actually, mm. you know, experience the person rather than our ideas of the person. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's a sense in which um, the access that, that again, this is this sort of this idea of what is it to be more conscious? Like the paradox that our society has oriented towards uh, ways of being that, that dampen our imagination, you know, don't, mm -hmm. don't, uh, don't write a poem, read a poem, don't mm -hmm. uh, read a poem, watch a show, don't like mm -hmm. watch a show, go on social media, like don't, and it's sort of like we keep getting further and further away from actually just like, if most people, assuming they have a certain amount of neurobiological hardware kind of working, mm -hmm. like have some imaginative gifts. And mm -hmm. if you put them in the world as it is, that imagination mm -hmm. is already like, like sense making and categorizing and, and, mm -hmm. and making and attaching meaning and all of this mm -hmm. stuff is so rich and present, just mm -hmm. period. We all, so many of us have these faculties uh, and, yeah. and our society kind of moves us away from it and then kind of like in the process kind of diminishes it. Like, oh, like, no, this is for real rational people or the people who will succeed in our world. Uh -huh. But what you're pointing to is, is something there are much deeper things working under the surface for all of us. And to be conscious of those things actually allows us to make the the invisible visible and to work with them and speak with mm -hmm. them and. You know, I can be aware of a part of me that's curious about your ancestry and I can be aware of another part of me that's going, shh, shh don't like mention that because that's not appropriate. And I can mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. hold both of those right. voices in my head and go, okay, mm -hmm. hang out you two. Let's, let's see if I can reconnect with Angela again and see what else is here. Right. So yeah, I love the connection you've made between the imagination and, and sort of what sometimes is referred to as biases or, mm -hmm. you know, unconscious beliefs or what, what we might, what might have you mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, all these terms that are given to it, even that right. Unconscious bias training or um, yeah. Just looking at our projections, those words can uh, just turn people off to it mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, I already mm -hmm. know about that. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. it reminds me of, I wish I had a better grasp of like Buddhist teachings and analogies one day I'll get there, but I remember <laughs> hearing, you know, and experienced myself, you know, you look at a tree and you can go, okay, well, that's, that's a tree. And you've categorized it as a tree, you move on. Like on your walks, right? You're going on these walks. Like, okay, here's the trail, here's the tree. And then if you really stop to look at the tree mm -hmm. as, a, as what it is, not as a quote-unquote tree, mm -hmm. but just to really experience it, dropping as many filters and meaning-making as possible, you would have a very different experience of what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's mm. a simple, it's mm. a simplistic mm. explanation of it. But I feel like we're mm. doing that with each other is that mm. with social media and some of this, the way we're interfacing with reality, we've added even more now, mm. like filters mm. that we're mm. already, we already had a lot. Now mm. we're adding a lot more mm. that I worry that we just don't know how to relate to each other. Wow. So as you get in touch with that worry, um, yeah. you're, you're actively standing for and offering ways for people to work with relate, relating to each other. Yeah. Like how, if you, if you were to 
walk in with a client or a team mm-hmm. or a group of people or whoever, how do you engage around that? Given that a part of you is worried, like we're, it's getting harder and harder to mm-hmm. push aside all of these filters and just see, see with something approaching clarity. Yeah. Uh, and we're seeing all of this breakdown in our ability to work across differences and, and, mm-hmm and increased polarization. Like how are you holding that worry and how, and how do you work with it either in yourself or with other people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with the worry, I'm just being with the worry. It's just a, a place that I, you know, something I just hold of like, this mm. is an area of concern. I'm not, mm. I'm not getting too worked up over it, but it's like, okay, this is where I want to focus my energies with clients. I kind of, you know, I get brought in for like working on leadership skills or doing DEI work, diversity, equity, inclusion work. And almost always, I would say it's actually interpersonal skills that we need to work on, not mm. quote unquote, just leadership. It's often just how the person is relating to their role, how they're relating to each other, how they're handling conflict or not handling conflict mm. is usually what mm. happens. Mm. You know, are they really listening to people? Are they really receiving feedback you know there's really simplistic like relational skills that just aren't happening Hmm. so you can't do a lot of these um, wonderful ideas of like bringing in more difference you know into the leadership team or within the organization all of which are great but require a lot of relational skills to be able to do that Hmm. and to look at yourself to look at projections assumptions you know look at that Hmm. invisible space that I'm talking about. So I don't speak like that to my clients necessarily. I'm just watching that space and going, wow, there's a lot of missed opportunity that's happening here. And I can see how, because of that, they can't realize these bigger goals mm-hmm. that they're wanting, mm-hmm. right? Why they're you, bringing me in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you in touch like uh, with any examples of some of those misses that, that like, if we could just sort of point to them and play with them a bit, people listening might get a felt sense of like, oh, yeah, I've missed that before. Mm-hmm. Or, or, oh yeah, like that just happened yeah. in a conversation with someone else. And no, like, no wonder I was upset kind of. Right. Well, I mean, one example is like a cultural difference that I see happen in a lot of companies that are more international where they have say a group or segment of the company and say a country in Europe and then here in the U S or some mm-hmm. you know country, in, mm-hmm. say Asia. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to like, all right, it's feedback time. We need to give some feedback. There's like lots of breakdowns. People are like this person's too intense or too rude, or this person's too, um, like I can't understand what's going on with them. And so they want you know me to come in for some like leadership training or like, how do you give and receive feedback? And it's that invisible space where different cultures handle feedback completely mm. different mm. because of the culture itself. Some mm. are very indirect and that's okay. And some are more direct and there's a whole spectrum. And so some people I've seen just completely break down because someone was being so harsh to them mm. that they just couldn't you know, handle it. And the Mm. other person thought that they were being very clear and were trying to offer really great feedback to this person and was confused why this person was breaking down in tears. Mm. Right. So Mm. there's just these really simple, just differences that are there that people don't realize if they stop to listen, like, Oh, what was, what was it about how I gave my feedback that is impacting you like this? Could you tell me? It's like, Oh, well, that was really rude. What you did. It's like, Oh, what was rude about it? And then you can Mm. explain Mm. All right. In your culture, that is rude. In my Mm. culture, say that's not rude. And I saw Mm. it all the time growing up. You know, Japanese are very different from people in the States when it comes Mm. to how we share feedback. 
Mm. You know, it's very mm. indirect. Uh, a mother who's who's Japanese, and there was very indirect about her requests and things that she would she would like to see happen. Mm. Whereas then my dad, being the Caucasian side, was very confused. Like, oh, I didn't realize I was supposed to go do that. Um, like an example is um, one I've heard elsewhere too. Is like uh, the 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 Japanese or Asian sort of half saying, "Well, well, the windows are really dirty." Like, oh yeah, thanks. Like, yeah, they are pretty dirty. Well, they've been dirty for a long time. Okay, yeah, I guess they have been dirty for a long time. Well, to me, that's a clear communication in a Japanese indirect way that mm. you need to go clean the windows like mm. this weekend. Mm. Right? But that's just two different cultures of yeah. communication. Yeah. So um, if we could just sort of play with that feedback example yeah. you were presencing a bit, like, what am I? What do I want to ask here? Not, let's see if I can, can get a handle on it. Um, like there's the, uh, there's the sort of, uh, eye space of the person. And as we've been dancing with and playing with, mm -hmm. but let's say it really clear, like that eye space, the, their per first person perspective is holds or is held by a rather large, deep, complex set of historical, yeah. cultural norms, traditions, shared yep. imaginations in a sense, right? Yep, like there's a sort exactly. of shared imagination exactly. of, of, of my mm -hmm. eye as a, mm -hmm. as a, you know, as a Japanese person. Mm -hmm. And, and so that like that eye walks into the room and it's, it is a human. Mm -hmm. a, we have an individual, a human being who is unequivocally mm -hmm. a human being, just like mm -hmm. every other human being in that room who, mm -hmm. who nonetheless walks in with this incredibly unique, rich, mm. A sense of I that is also mm -hmm. a sense of we, there's a we, we. with that I, yep. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then another person, let's say, I don't know, a German walks in and, and, yep. and they walk in with an I yep. and a we. Yeah. And, and so you, as you can see, like how those two, it's not yep. just two eyes meeting, there's these two big we's meeting and like, like little things yeah. become massively amplified. And it's that one thing that seems clear is rude to another. Yeah. And, and if I'm hearing you correctly, like part of the interpersonal or maybe intercultural skill is one mm -hmm. to be conscious of the we space that we're all kind mm -hmm. of like dragging in with us as we enter yeah. the room and two, to be yeah. able to slow down and inquire about someone else's we space. Like, yeah. Oh, I can see you're up. Are you upset? Yeah, I'm, I'm upset. Right. And maybe yeah. someone's trying to mask that they're upset. But are you upset? Yeah, I'm upset. What's upsetting? Yeah. Right. To yeah. just actually slow down and, and maybe let go of some of the assumptions that we space carries so that as two humans, yeah. you can get really curious with each other. Is that exactly. right? That's yeah, that's a really great description. And yeah, like how we bring in our our worlds, our we space, our, our cultural understanding of how the world works, how we relate to each other as social beings is very culturally based. And so you bring two people in from different places. Yeah, they're going to. They're going to butt up against each other. And then also bringing in our bodies, our bodies that have really mm. absorbed mm. the history, whether, you know, it could be traumatic, it could be mm. all sorts of things is, are also in our body and how regulated we can be in our nervous systems when coming up, you know, to another person. So there's just so many factors going on when two people meet right. that many people aren't aware of. Yeah. And like, even depending on which, which two people show up at a certain place at a certain time yeah. with certain we spaces that collide, yeah. that 
a person who might might identify as being, I don't know, confident or assured or or kind of whatever that is, suddenly walks mm-hmm. into a space where they see someone who represents a, another we space. And it's like yeah. just that the presence of that person's body near this person's body can evoke yeah. all of this response, right? Yeah, especially if there's a history, right, yeah. between two cultures mm-hmm. or, the other, or the other person is manifesting the opposite mm. values mm. of what their culture mm. they were brought up can mm. bring up a lot of material mm. for someone. Mm. One of the kind of... Uh, classic problems of this that I'm in touch with. And, and, and even the word mm-hmm. I'm about to say, like, is, is in, in, indicative of the problem, which is a sort of like a certain we spaces are privileged. Yeah. So if I happen to be in a body that, uh, that, that has been sort of shaped by, uh, you know, like I'm a white, the white guy in this white body mm-hmm. that's been shaped by an American kind of capitalist we space, mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. though there are parts of me that look at that we space, I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> like it mm-hmm. still is moving with me as I walk mm-hmm. into a room. And and I could also be totally ignorant of that and unaware mm-hmm. of that uh, and and not feel the pain of that ignorance in the same way that someone else who's who's in the space with me might. Uh, even if mm-hmm. I'm showing up wholeheartedly and, and with an intent mm-hmm. to connect something mm-hmm. might happen that's beyond the scope of my ability to see because I'm, I'm, I've sort of been embedded in a certain we space. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder like, and, and, and then if I, and then if someone were to point that out to me, I might get defensive. I might, what, yeah. what are you talking about? Like that's right. No, I'm just trying to, 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 to speak clearly. No, I'm not being yeah. rude. You know, whatever like starts to happen in that. And like, how do you, what, what happens for you at that moment? If you're in the room yeah. when, when someone starts to attempt to name the we behind the I, like to be like, hey, uh-huh. you know what you just said is is activating because of dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And, and, and there's like, what happens in that moment? How do you hold that moment? How do you help people hold that moment? How do you work? That's a great that? question. Um, you know, there's a different word that I use. And I mean, I'm familiar with the we space terminology. Um, this woman, uh, Maria Lagones uses like worlds, like world traveling, how you can part of this world and you move to another world to so mm. say you could be mm. from a non-dominant underprivileged world and you're moving into a more privileged mm. space or white mm. space mm. right so there's kind of moving between worlds um language that i that i really like and so that question like what do i do in those moments well part of it is just first seeing where the breakdowns are happening usually it's someone say in a white body who may be completely new to this language which can be very academic to be yeah. fair to a lot of people yeah. entering it it's, there's a lot of terminology that yeah, we're really i space and we space and space unconscious bias and microaggression like, yeah, yeah, yeah there's like a lot of it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of stuff that the average person is not going to have access to. So even that there's a power dynamic that can start mm, to happen. Mm, so it's mm. not quite as clear because it could be, yes, someone's pointing out, Hey, you're coming from a place of privilege. Um, and this person may be completely new to the idea of privilege, which typically happens because privilege, you can't see the privilege that you have usually when you know start off. And so I think oftentimes what I try to do is I try to, get people where they're seeing each other somewhat clearly. So I pause the conversation as best I can. If I see someone struggling with the sort of uh, critique that they're having, like, hey, you're coming from this privileged space when you say that, you know, oftentimes the person asking it is like, I want you to, to experience, I want you to understand that those words mean something different coming mm. from 
say a mm. body like yours mm. Mm. um is i try and and get clear like well what's actually being said what what what's wanting to be communicated um and oftentimes with people i'm trying to think of more specific because generalities don't typically help because these are such complex dynamics but when i've seen people you know receive that kind of feedback say it's around um like using pronouns, right? There's uh, oftentimes in these spaces, people say like, could you state your pronouns? And trying to create a place that's inclusive to to everyone. And there's usually somebody, you know, who's cisgender, you know, white bodied person that doesn't want to do it. It's, it's fine about the pronouns, but just like, I don't want to be told what to do sort mm-hmm. of thing. And then mm-hmm. oh, do you know the privilege that you come from, right? So they start mm-hmm. spinning like mm-hmm. quickly. Right, mm. those moments, <laughs> and you're like, we've and just begun. Okay, here we go. We just Buckle begun. Up. <laughs> this is what happens. Like it almost always happens. Somebody, you know, and um, and it is. It's just an interesting dynamic because there's this hidden piece in there, which is there's also this power over someone. So people could say, well, that's fair because we're trying to create this inclusive space. But the person who's having it kind of done to them, like, oh, I need to do this thing. There's this power over that's happening that could bring up their own kind of Mm. relationship to authority Mm. and wanting to push back about being told what to do. Mm. And so I name all this because it's really complex. It's not Mm. as simple as Mm. this person's coming from this privileged world and this other person's not, we're trying to just level it. There's all these other things happening in just the exchange interpersonally of power and who's in power. And usually both people feel disempowered so as a facilitator, you need to see all that and sort of work with those energies so that people can be heard on all those levels. Mm. Otherwise, mm. you know, if you miss some of that, then people aren't going to be open to hearing the other, right? Because yeah. they're not going to feel heard. Mm. There's something I'm in, I'm in touch with right now, but I don't have quite mm. words for it. I have experienced moments where somehow, and I, and I think it's a both hand somehow Mm -hmm. I and, and people I'm with are both able to become more conscious of and inhabit more fully the world or the worlds that they're carrying with them. Yeah. It's like, just like a moment where I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, of course you look at my body and Mm -hmm. have that response. Right. And of course, like I'm carrying that world that you're seeing, even if I don't fully identify with it in all ways, shape or forms that you might be attaching it to me. I can like, and it's like, and in a way, like the world, my world to me becomes more present. The way you're seeing my world becomes more present. And I hold less, like I'm less attached to them. And, and, and the other Mm -hmm. people too, it's like, it's like we both get more present to the, all of these layers of complexity, yeah. like the cultural stuff, the authority yeah. dynamic stuff, the like group in the moment, group dominance status mm-hmm. stuff, like all of that. We're like, oh, and then yeah. it doesn't, doesn't exert as much of a hold anymore. It doesn't no. exert as much. So, so yeah. Can you, can you talk about yeah. that moment? What's going well, on? Well, th- I can give you the example. Like this has happened numerous times actually. Um, and this, the details are, you know, just slightly different, but I see this in a lot of groups. So say with the pronoun kind of example, you know, there's, there's um, sort of non-binary or trans you know, people in the group that are wanting pronouns for, for good reason, you know, to be named in a particular way so everybody can 
be on the same page. It's not mm-hmm. up to the person with sort of the the they them or different pronouns that um, has to be the one to to um, to ask for it, right? That's right. kind of this right. inclusive space. Right. And so when that happens, this you know they're coming from this place of say wanting that to be there, so that there's this inclusive experience, but then also the person who was kind of pushing against it once once they were able to name and the order is a little different sometimes but once that person was kind of pushing against it was able to to acknowledge the world uh, yeah by me saying no i can see how that's how that's hurting you like mm. i can see mm. the impact of my mm. actions my intent is totally different than mm. what you may think mm. but i am totally i've taken responsibility and i can see the the impact on you mm. and, you know and just even naming that that they're aware of it and you know they're not happy with it they're like i don't that's not the impact i want and i can see by me kind of having autonomy here this is Mm. And you would think these things about me. I get that, you know, and that other person can relax and like, okay, well, I'm glad you see that. Well, now I'm curious, why are you doing this? If you know the impact <laughs> and then they could share, like I had an abusive father. Like I just, mm. I have this mm. trigger in me that if I feel like anyone's trying to, you know, impact my autonomy in any way, I just, I just lose my shit. Mm. Like mm. I just, mm. you know, and he, and the person's like, I can feel it in my body. I don't like it about myself. But I realize right now that's what I'm doing as I'm reacting from my own wounding. Mm. It has nothing to do with pronouns. Mm. It's just the fact mm. I feel like I'm trapped. Mm. Mm. And then the whole room's like, oh, oh, well, this is different. This is not what we thought <laughs> was happening. Thought. Yeah. Right? And then once they got into each other's worlds, then they got they both experienced change within themselves. It's like, oh, I didn't realize there's more going on over there than I mm. thought. And mm. Now I can see how maybe by me asking in this particular way could be received maybe a certain certain way. And mm. then this other person mm. going, well, if I exert my autonomy, this is going to have an impact with people I care about. And they're going to get a different idea about where I stand. Mm. So it, it, it just, those worlds, like you, you said, like getting into each other's worlds can then impact how we organize in our own worlds. They, they change us. And that's, those are the conversations I want to help facilitate, or I do facilitate, mm. is they're transformative. Like we, we change after mm. these mm. conversations. Okay. That was really, thank you for that. I'm, uh, there's a lot like being activated mm. in me. There's sort of an excitement mm. energy about, um, what am I, what am I in touch with here? There is a, a sort of inevitability to, if you are willing to show up to a space mm-hmm. with someone who for sake of simplicity will say is different than you. And, and we've yeah. been spending the past 40 minutes, like unpacking this, all the many layers of sort of yeah. difference and sameness that are present in all of us. Yeah. And yeah. But if you're willing to show up to a space and that per- other person is willing to show up to a space and you can, can get to a place of some kind of listening, some kind of shared understanding, even if, it doesn't mean like, of course, it doesn't mean that that suddenly you have the same worldview because that would be mm-hmm. impossible. <laughs> like you have these right. two whole right. worlds showing up. They're not going to just become one world, but there is an intersection of these two worlds that mm-hmm. that becomes like a new we space that, where mm-hmm. these two people can actually go, oh, there's something more going on here. Mm-hmm. Your point, your insight that both of those people are now changed, that when they leave that room and they each mm-hmm. leave with their worlds, the worlds they're leaving with will be 
you know, microscopically or macroscopically changed. Yeah. And um, that's really exciting to me as a possibility. And then I'm aware mm-hmm. of a part of me that's like, well, well, that's part of the, pr- the problem. I'm putting problem in quotes here is that mm-hmm. uh, people like, I'm like, people are, people are going to go like, I don't want to get changed by you. Like, right. you know, exactly. like, I, you know, exactly. you're, you're whoever I see you as. And if, if I like, in some way, if I listen to you, I'm, I'm somehow complicit in yeah. somehow devaluing myself or, or breaking my values or, or my identity is going to be too threatened or, mm-hmm. or, or, or there's all these possible reasons why I'm not even going to go to that room and listen, because if I did, yeah, that would be already, that would be too much of a betrayal to this, this conscious or unconscious yeah. world that I'm part of. And, and uh, yeah, I just, how do you play with that in this moment? Yeah, it's, I mean, I've definitely experienced that. I definitely have certain types of people that I know I get challenged by that I I have had to work through and still mm. can get thrown mm. in, in many mm. ways by it. Mm. And yet, you know, there's, there are going to be people and times in our lives where we're just not ready to receive and that's fine. I don't think everyone has to be ready to do it. You can only do it when you're, when you're ready and when you're open. Um, I think all I ask for people is, if they really do want to see change happen, then we have to be open just a mm. little bit to, mm. there might mm. be something I can learn from this conversation. Mm. But if we're completely shut down, then nothing's, nothing's going to change. Yeah. Um, but I can't change those people, right? I'm not here to tell people what to do. It's an invitation. And say like, I've had such a wonderful experience, like hard experience, like working through a lot of my own stuff and projections. And yet when I have, I just have such richer relationships and then I can see my own wounding and how it's skewing a bit of my ability to relate to people. Mm, mm. Yeah. I'm mm. in touch as you, as you mirror that back, the kind of like richness that's there. If we say yes yeah. to this work, you know, yeah. the, 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 like, I don't want you to change me voice is yeah. afraid of something. It's afraid of yeah. losing identity or belonging or status and, yeah. and there's a belief, an implicit belief there that if I were to let you change me, if I were to l- really listen to you, different person who, whose body represents a different world and a different identity, yeah. then I'd actually lose myself or yeah. I'd lose a really important part of myself. And I, and I'm not willing to risk that because like yeah. the stakes it's dangerous. are too high. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like that belief Maybe it's sometimes true. I'm sure it's true sometimes, but there are many, mm-hmm. many instances where that is a perceived loss as opposed to a real loss. And, and, and that, that part of the invitation that you're offering is an invitation to say to someone, like, do you want to be everything that makes you beautiful and you, and also be in a world where you're less uh, activated, defensive, and so is the mm-hmm. other person, where you can... Mm-hmm. You can feel safe in your identity and make, and they can feel safe in yours, that, that it's not a zero sum game, right? Like yeah. that, that actually when the change happens, we become more, we become deeper. Yeah. We don't become less. We don't, we don't shrivel. We don't, we don't die. Our, our identities actually become enriched and we're more capable and more yeah. of who we are. So there's something right. about like that paradox that actually the change is a, is a deepening. It's an expanding. It's mm-hmm. a a more moreness of you as opposed to a lessness of you. Does that right? Well, I, yeah, it does resonate. And I think it gets down to like, we're not our identities. And then that's Mm. 
what I truly mm. know to be true for, at least I can speak for me, is that I'm, those, there are identities, there are parts of me, but that's not all of who I am. Right? And so if I'm locked into an identity, that identity is freaked out that it's going to change because it only knows itself. There's nothing else here. Mm. If that breaks mm. down, mm. it's like going to be obliterated. Yeah. But if we mm. can shift into that bigger place that has access to all these identities, it's more than that. Right? Like we didn't, these identities were learned over time. Like We existed before we had all these identities kind of given to us as a child. We were still there. Right. Like, it's okay. We're going to be okay. And when we can do that, then, you know, those identities can change. They can be fluid. They can be dynamic. And, and I'm just a much better person when they're like that. (laughs) Like so much easier to be around and Mm. I like myself Mm. better, Mm. but it it does take a lot of trust and that trust, Mm. it can be scary because we think we're going to, something bad's going to happen. And yet when you go through the process enough you have to go through it. It's an embodied experience. Mm. Once you go mm. through it enough, you can trust it and know mm. that you're going to be okay, if not probably better. Mm. And I mm. want to just add that it's not for everyone. And there's definitely some trauma and some things for people where I wouldn't recommend going through this process of just like, go ahead and try this out. Mm. It may not be the right time or place or the mm. material may be just too much. But for for many people, it's really, I find just this fear of the unknown. I don't know what it's going to happen. I don't know what I'm going to be like on the other end mm. of this conversation. Mm. And then I help guide people through this process. And then they see on the other end, it's okay. Mm. Mm. And, and maybe, as you said, even more than okay, that it's actually even like more than okay. Enlivening and joyful yeah. and intimate and uh, empowering and ennobling, right? Like they'll leave yeah. that room and see the world more clearly, not just differently, but more clearly. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we've been playing at this kind of, um, kind of the, the unit of two people or a few people, like the sort of interpersonal friction and, you know, fusion and sort of all the cool stuff that can happen between Mm -hmm. people. And, um, Mm -hmm. I'm aware that you have also been reflecting on and playing with kind of maybe at the unit of, uh, of like a society or, a, or a culture or of a group of people, like a larger group of people, like, and, and I, maybe that's about the extent of my awareness of, of how you've been thinking about it. And I wonder, but in our last maybe 10 minutes here or so, I wonder mm-hmm. if we could presence that, right? Like there's a sort of interpersonal lens we've been applying, but we might, I, I might call it a political lens or a cultural uh-huh. lens, right. Or a social lens mm-hmm. where we could zoom out at a higher level and see, mm-hmm some of these patterns playing out in our politics or in our common, you know, our common spaces or what stands for a common space, like your social media newsfeed or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like what's the, tell me how you're relating to these Mm -hmm. like larger macro questions. Um, Well, let me see if I'm getting to, if I'm, there's a lot of different directions I can go with it, but the way like, so yeah, there's the the personal, like what's happening within me. There's the interpersonal relationally what's happening. Mm. Um, even backing up a little bit, there's my body, right? Like mm. there's just my mm. physical body, um, mm. my intrapsychic space of my, the parts of me that believe different things mm. have had personal experiences and then how manif- how they manifest between you and I, your mm. parts, my parts, how do we relate, right? Mm. And then you bring in another level of like, I'm also, and you're also, we're informed by sort of this bigger collective level mm. of like, I think you're using like the we space of it, um, our culturally shared beliefs that we have with other people like us, 
you know, based on our social positioning, maybe in society or different ethnic backgrounds, like those are all, we all have access to those too. And those show up in us and in our bodies, they shape how we make meaning. Mm. And so when one of the things that I recently was playing around with is looking at Jungian psychology around this idea, see if I can even explain it, this idea of like a, a complex, like people have a mother complex or father complex on a personal level. We have something that just constellates, like someone says something or does something and we're like, ah, like an allergic reaction, like something mm. just happened here, mm. right? That's like mm. a complex comes up. Mm. Usually personal material comes up and you're projecting it on another. Well, I see that same response happen in groups when we start bringing in collective like complexes. Mm. Like there's some dynamic that can manifest in a room with groups of people that have a very similar allergic reaction, but happen with multiple people at once. You can mm. see it in social media. You can see it mm. in people conversing. And so there's um, this guy, Thomas Singer, I think is his name, um, a Jungian in San Francisco, talks about cultural complexes. And I just, I just in the work of doing DEI, I see it happen in group spaces, and it's just a like to be able to work with it. You can talk about it on the personal level, but you have to bring in the cultural level too. That that's also here in the room, like it's manifesting here, and we're manifesting a conversation that's much bigger than us, mm. and we're not going to resolve it because if it can't get resolved out there, two people or this group is probably not going to resolve it in this room. So it's almost like this complex or this um, tension, how do we be with this tension in the space? Like it's here. We don't have mm. to solve for it necessarily, mm. but we need to learn to be with its existence, its presence. Hmm. Is there, there's, this is interesting. There's a part of me that's coming in and going like, well, well no, no, we need to solve for it, Angela. What do you mean yeah. we don't need to solve for yeah. it? <laughs> Right. So we can solve for it in the long run, but in the, you know, mm, hour meeting that where mm, it erupts that mm, hour meeting, mm. you're probably not going to solve it. Mm, mm. So how, uh, so what I'm hearing you say in a way, like at the, like at your level of agency as a facilitator, you're working with yeah. this particular group of people and suddenly this, what we might call a cultural complex, which again is a pretty yeah. academic word, but, but, yeah, it is. but yeah. as I'm understanding your description of it, it's like some, shared belief or shared, um, issue. Like if I have yeah. like, if like uh, to just use your analogy, like if I, if I was abused as a child, I might have a, a, a complex in relationship to parent parental figures and authority. And that's yeah. mine. And that's my work. Yeah. There's some mm -hmm. analog at the level of a culture or a group of people where we're all yeah. kind of triggered in this somewhat the same way. And at the same time by the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and suddenly that is that energy is in the room. Yeah. And it sounds like part of your work in that moment is to help people see that they're being held or carried or, yeah. or moved by that energy as opposed yeah. to by really being with each other. Is that, is that right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you could say, you know, what happens a lot in say, psychotherapy spaces or even coaching spaces, this idea of people bringing in mindfulness or like, I want to burn some sage here in the room, cleanse the space. Right. And you have all these Caucasian white skin, white bodied people doing these traditions that are not of their culture. Mm. And then you have those people of those cultures say in the room, right. Gonna they're going to have a response. Mm. Right. Mm. And so mm. that, that would be to me, like almost like it's bringing in a bigger topic mm. into the mm. space of power, mm. you know, mm. appropriation, um, 
and painful histories kind of come up. And so like the, the histories of these different cultures, even though these actual people in the room weren't present when, you know, those things necessarily happen, that energy is in the room and we're not going to solve, we can't fix history. Mm. I guess it's more what I'm meaning, mm. but we can be with like, okay, this is here. How do we just be with this knowing that this power dynamics here, this, this, you know, something just arose here. How do we talk about it mm. and not just think it's personal, mm. right? There's, there's something mm. personal and there's something mm. bigger that's mm. here. Mm. And it's, so this the speaking to what's bigger, bringing that in, because that can be a very intoxicating force when it enters a room, right? When you bring in just that history, like people just, it gets really intense, really fast. Mm. And so you need to work with that energy too mm. in a mm. room. Mm. What becomes possible or what have you seen become possible in a group when you are able to kind of attenuate that energy and get it to not yeah. quite be so intense that suddenly people can kind of like see each other again and not well, I think, be too held by Yeah, it. I think just being able to name it. There's some masters that do this. Diana, uh, Diane Musha Hamilton does this and Arnie Mandel, um, who she studied with too. He's been amazing in doing this of being mm. able to just give voice to what's there. Like this is here talking about it, it calms the nervous system now when it gets named mm. people go, Oh mm. yeah, that is here. Mm. And then we can, as a group kind of hold that this painful history is present, that this power dynamic is here. And then we can talk about it once we all realize it's here. Like we can almost not quite metabolize it, but almost regulate enough. Like the group can regulate for the individuals. Like the, the container can help regulate people mm. otherwise mm. if the individuals you know well, kind of in the weeds here but if i think if the individuals try and regulate for something so big people just break down they mm. can't do it it's mm. too much mm. too much energy mm. Mm. does that make sense it does make sense and yeah. uh, and i'm aware that like why there's a part of this going like does it make sense because there's something experiential about it yeah there's something that uh, if I'm like in my car listening to Andy and Angela talk, I'm going like, that's, that's interesting. What does that mean? And then like, yeah. you know, I listen to, and then I listen to the next podcast and I forget about it or whatever yeah. happens. Yeah. But like, if you were in that room, you'd, you'd know what, <laughs> what Angela's yeah. talking like about if you've, right had, you've been in that experience and I, I'm guessing, I mean, my world, I live in a particular bubble of doing this work where I see it happen all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the nervous systems, there's like a cultural hijacks, like nerve, like limbic hijacks, but with like a cultural element to it, like yeah. people just dysregulate really quickly. Yeah. 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 I wonder, we just have about five minutes left. And, and, yeah. uh, as I said, the word experiential, I, I kind of went like, maybe there's an, and I don't quite know what this looks like. So maybe we can yeah. kind of co-create this here, but I wonder if there's some kind of micro experience we might, um, complete with today. That mm. perhaps point perhaps points right back to where we started, which was a version of the work you did with me, which, as I remember, mm -hmm. it was like getting in touch with my body, sensation mm -hmm. in my body, bringing my attention to that sensation and noticing what's starting to come up in terms of imagination. Mm -hmm. So sort of like a guided kind of activity yeah, so maybe for the listeners sort of like maybe to try. Of, yeah, maybe maybe like you could use me as as the avatar yeah. for anyone who's listening and just sort of see like, uh, and, and my invitation to anyone who's listening is sort of say like, assuming you're not driving and you're, and you're in a safe space yeah. to do this body <laughs> awareness, like maybe yeah. the, maybe the move here is you've been listening to us now for about an hour 
And you're understanding or not, whatever you're understanding or not, but either way, you're Mm -hmm. having a felt experience. There is sound coming at you and your body's having an experience right now, right in this moment. And what is, what's in there for you that might help uh, integrate some of what you and I have been playing with for the Yeah. Well, yeah, let's play with it. I'll do a little bit and see what comes up for you. So yeah, just getting comfortable. Of course, listeners, if you're in the car, don't, don't do this. But just (laughs) don't close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can close your eyes and just take a moment just to feel into your body, noticing uh, what's alive, what's moving around and just take a moment to reflect on all the different places that we traveled to in this conversation and where we started with uh, the work I did with you. And then we've kind of gone through around difference and how people relate to each other, where the breakdowns happen. How we have a hard time connecting, really seeing each other. And just as if you're like, just putting all these things kind of on a table, like just like all the different topics, the images that might've come up for you. And you're just looking at what's here. And just see what lights up for you. What images, thoughts, feelings, anything at all. What do you notice? Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I'm noticing there's a lot of different sources of sensation activation in my body that I could go to. But the one that feels the sort of strongest or most Mm -hmm. present is like right in my eyes, my forehead, kind of uh, like, and the image is sort of an image of me in a room. Uh, And and how am I standing there? I'm like, I'm a little bit, a a little bit tense. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are other people in the room. I can't quite see their faces, but, but I, I can see me clearly. I'm in this room wearing what I'm wearing mm-hmm. right now. And I'm mm-hmm. a little bit tense. And then sort of like the sensation I feel in my eyes is turning into an image in my imagination of this kind of like sort of smoke monster mm-hmm. uh, or smoke entity that's sort of hard to see its features, but it's a bit, seems a bit scary, a bit strong. It's kind of like coming up out of my eyes, over my head, and it's behind me. Mm. Uh, uh, and it's like, whereas I look a little tense, this, this Mm -hmm. sort of image is very, uh, it's almost like a storm cloud. It has, Mm. uh, it has a sort of threatening growing, Mm -hmm. you better get out of here fast kind of energy to it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you sense that energy behind you, even your hands were kind of up with that sort of hovering energy, you got to get out of here fast. What just comes up for you when you see the image with you kind of small and this big energy kind of saying, you need to get out of here fast. Mm. Mm. You know, I'm in touch with uh, this sort of story that's, that's starting to emerge and I don't know how true it is, but I'll just play with it Mm -hmm. is there's a way in which the, the reason I'm feeling a bit defensive is because I'm in a space where the people around me are, are calling me out on something or pointing out something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm my conscious experience is like, I'm just like, wait, what are you talking? No, like, what are you talking? No, mm-hmm. no, no. That's. But then there is this like thing behind me that's quite scary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, and, and so the story in my head is like, oh, like that's sort of a representation of what Angela and I have been talking about. Like there's a way in mm-hmm. which even if I can't see it, I, now mm-hmm. I can feel it. And in a way, mm. others can see it. They can see this kind of, 
energy with me, that is pretty mm. scary. You know, like, mm-hmm. and now I'm, I'm in touch one time, my wife and I were driving on the highway and this, like, this is like out of a movie storm cloud. Like you and I mentioned climate weirding yeah. uh, before we started recording. And it was like, we were literally on the highway watching this cloud yeah. just grow and grow and grow. We could see wow. it roiling, like watching like, mm-hmm. like boiling water. It was just like getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then these like massive lightning bolts, like, like it was just like yeah. a scary yeah. storm. Yeah. And it happened so fast. And it was like, if you were in the wrong place in that storm, you were in trouble. And that's yeah. this kind of like, it's like, I, it's like, oh, like I might be dragging that energy around with me and maybe yeah. even amplifying it because my own fear, my own defensiveness is, uh, yeah. is, is feeding it in some ways, amplifying mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Right? It's all invisible oftentimes, but if you can start sensing what you're carrying around with you, that mm. you mm. have the power then to change it. Mm. Yeah. And even as we talk about it, I'm noticing like the sensation in my eyes is dampening and it's almost like now I can see that storm cloud from that, that time with my wife. And, and it's, it's actually like, it's starting to shrink again. Mm-hmm. There's some brightness back in the space. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. It almost like it could be a session or a, you know, a, a podcast episode of just doing pure imaginal work at some yeah. point, oh. right? just to get a taste. Cause this is such a little dip into it. Yeah. But, yeah. I like your image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we can, we can talk about it, but yeah, okay. that, that cloud, that's a really great image to play with around what we carry with us or what mm. can like come up and then feel it in our bodies mm. Mm. like that. Mm. Mm. I'm also in touch mm. with another part of me. That's like, Ooh, that felt a little vulnerable, a little silly. Someone listening to that going to be like, what the hell are you talking about, Andy? But so I'll just name <laughs> that too. Yeah. It's a bit down more in my belly. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe as I like just arrive in this moment, having, gone through that very simple, elegant and evocative guidance of like, Hey, be aware of what you just heard. Yep. Turn it a bit into an object, make it something you can see in your mind's eye, put it on the table. And then, and then just notice how it feels in your body to look at this image of mm-hmm. two people having a, an argument or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever that is. So I hope that that mm-hmm. listeners have, have had a chance to do do that with us and uh, maybe can just, let that land and see what mm-hmm. else is there as, uh, mm-hmm. as we, as we finish up today. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Angela, anything else that, uh, that you feel called to speak to as we move towards closure today? I think just naming that we traversed a lot of different topics and, you know, some of them academic and some of them, you know, yeah, just obscure, imaginal and all that. And just like you were saying, just letting listeners just take what you take from it and just see how it impacts you. And if you're curious about some of the terms and things that were listed, you can I have a website, mindfuldiversity.com, that there's terminology and stuff mm. on there. And you can reach mm. out to me too if you had a question mm. of like, what was this thing that you mentioned? And happy to engage with people if you're interested in pursuing some of these topics i find them so fascinating yes clearly and you speak to them so so brilliantly Mm. mindfuldiversity.com is that the yeah mindfuldiversity.com well angela thank you for now our fifth or sixth interaction which (laughs) you know i didn't want to jinx it but it proved true like this is really yet another doorway into the dynamism and and beauty that you're bringing to life in the world and i'm really grateful that our paths have crossed and i look forward to however they might cross again yeah me too 
Okay. Thanks, Angela. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Thanks for tuning in to The Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Sirqua, and audio editing services from John Nolan at Middle Mountain Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find The Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep the show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever. <laughs>